Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be this morning. If you've got a Bible, we are picking up right where we left off two weeks ago, our Fire and Wind series. This morning's going to be a little bit different. Uh, we are moving towards communion this morning. Um, we're actually reading the first sermon in church history this morning, the first time uh, in the organized church, what we are a part of, that someone got up and preached the gospel. Um, So rather than me preaching a sermon, we're going to talk a little bit about something that we need to orient our minds around as we prepare for communion, and then we are going to allow the first sermon in church history to speak for itself. Acts chapter 2, we're going to start reading in verse 14, says this, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life and you will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne seeing what was to come he spoke of the resurrection of the messiah that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead nor did his body see decay god has raised this jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it exalted to the right hand of god he has received from the father the promised holy spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them. 
And he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Let's pray. Jesus, as we prepare to remember your sacrifice, as we participate in the sacred moment of communion, we ask that your word, that your name, that your Holy Spirit would compel, compel us and point us to you, Jesus. Amen. If you uh, know me very well, you probably know this, probably find this pretty obvious, but I hate being cliché. Um, it's one of my least favorite things in the world. It's probably why I don't like Nickelback, honestly. I've probably never given Nickelback a chance. They're probably a great band, but I just don't like them because they seem cliche to me. It's probably the same thing with High School Musical and Justin Bieber, if I'm being honest. Um, I do not like being cliche. I don't like doing what other people do. It's just like I became a Duke fan, honestly, because my youth pastor was a UNC fan. So I have cheered for Duke, and I will cheer for Duke forever. Some of you will hate me for that, and that's okay. That's okay. You will be forgiven for your sins of cheering for anyone other than Duke later. Um, this morning, I don't have anything new to say. And this desire to not be cliche and to not do things, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it pushes me into creativity. And sometimes it becomes kind of a trap of like, I don't want to preach the sermons other people preach. I don't want to say the things other people say. And I want to say something fresh and new and relevant you've never heard before in a way you've never heard it. I don't have anything new to say this morning. I don't have anything fresh. I'm not going to say anything that you've never heard, and I'm not going to say it in a way that you've never heard it. So far in our Fire and Wind series, we've followed the beginning of the church, the first moments that have led us to this point that we are part of. And we, we talked about the job of the church. The vocation of the church is to bear witness. In a world that's worried, that's struggling, we bear witness to what Jesus has done, what he is doing, what he can do, and what he will do. We've talked about how the motivation and the power of the church is the Holy Spirit. That we are a book club if we're, we don't have the Holy Spirit. That we are, this is a TED Talk and a concert if we are not empowered by the Holy Spirit. So this moment that we just read is the first sermon. The Holy Spirit has created a moment. The Holy Spirit brought fire and wind. The disciples were speaking in tongues they had never learned. There's this moment where people are attracted, and the disciples stand up. Peter happens to be the one preaching. It's never about one person preaching. It actually says Peter stood up with the other disciples. He just happened to be the one speaking in that moment because all of us bear the message of Jesus. Some of us speak this time, some of us speak next time, but we all bear the message of Jesus, all who are disciples. And Peter gives, stands up doing the job of the church, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to share the message of the church. And the message of the church is Jesus. And that's not new. And that's not surprising. But if I can confess something to you, sometimes I get really caught up in intricate ideas and new approaches and creative ways to say things. And sometimes the cross seems a little cliche to me. And sometimes the beauty of the life of Jesus 
gets lost in big words and fancy ideas. But the message of the church to the world is Jesus. It is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That's our message. That's what we proclaim to the world. That's what we tell one another. Yes, there are other things that we preach about. The scripture is full of things that are profitable for teaching those who follow Jesus. But our message to the world, the first message we heard that invited us in, was Jesus. It was Jesus. And I'm going to say this a bunch of times. It was Jesus. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In just a moment, we are going to participate in what for thousands of years started by Jesus the night he was betrayed, but has become a sacred moment where we physically, with our senses and with our souls, we remember the work of Jesus on the cross. We remember the life of Jesus as we taste and experience and remember in communion. But we need, as we prepare for this moment, to ask ourselves the question, are we still enamored with Jesus? Is Jesus still beautiful and compelling? Is Jesus still exciting? Is Jesus still worth worshiping in our minds? Or have we lost part of the story? That's the thing about this sermon is Peter just told them about Jesus. He explained what happened and he told them about Jesus. And this is what the church has been doing in every moment and every opportunity for 2,000 years. It's just telling people about Jesus. But when we forget how beautiful Jesus is, then we forget to tell people about Jesus. Then our story gets muddied. And I want to clarify something quickly. Jesus is not the rules. The message of the church is not the teachings of Jesus. The message of the church is Jesus. Once we follow Jesus, once we trust Jesus, we follow the teachings of Jesus. So here on a Sunday morning, we talk about the teachings of Jesus because we're a community of people following Jesus. But our message to the world is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And much damage has been done by Christians trying to get people to live as if they believe in Jesus without ever telling them about Jesus. Our message to the world is not, here's the way to live, here's the things not to do. Our message to the world is that you were loved such that the God who created you and was the first one offended by you still loved you and is pursuing you and has took upon himself the full weight and measure of your sin and evil so that you can be reconciled to God and invited into the life that he bought for you and gifted to you and created for you and gave to you again. The rules are not good news. The rules are more work. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is good news. And once we trust Jesus, his ways are beautiful. Because when we trust him, we trust that his ways are better. But if we do not trust him, how will anyone ever trust that his ways are better? Our message to the world is 
Jesus. It's Jesus. This morning, I want us to take a few moments and to ask ourselves, what is it about Jesus, about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that's speaking to us in this moment? that's connecting to us in this season of our lives. Because that's, that's the thing. The message of the church is Jesus. It's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is the good news. Maybe for you today, what's compelling is the story of Jesus walking through a crowd when a woman struggling with an issue of blood She's unclean, and everyone she touches is unclean, and she's running through a crowd, passing on uncleanness, making people ceremonially unclean. She has been shamed and rejected. She has, the story says she spent all of her money trying to right her social standing, and no doctor could fix it until she's finally runs through a crowd changing everyone else's ceremonial status by bumping into them, and she grabs Jesus. And we shouldn't miss that she grabs Jesus, making him ceremonially unclean. But what does Jesus do when he's interrupted on his way to heal an important official's daughter? Jesus turns around and says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you clean. Is the Jesus, the part of Jesus that's compelling to you this morning, the fact that he is interruptible? <laughs> there is no issue, there is no problem that he does not want to take from you, to carry with you. Maybe for you it's the, the image of Jesus, God, being born in a stable, in a back alley, basically choosing to be born in the place of the outcast so that he could empathize with every outcast and there would be no outcasts in his kingdom. Maybe you felt like an outcast and you need to fall in love again with the Jesus who said, not only do I welcome you in, I've been an outcast with you. Maybe for you it's the moment of Jesus at the woman at the well, the woman who has had five husbands, who is, in terms of her society, not welcomed. But Jesus makes her one of the first proclaimers of his good news. Maybe you have felt like your past and your history the things that you've done disqualify you from service, and you need to see the Jesus who uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Maybe for you this morning, you need to remember the Jesus who, while being crucified, this is the moment in the story that continually compels me, is that Jesus is on the cross being killed. And he looks down at the people killing him. And says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, Jesus didn't forgive me when I used to be a sinner. Jesus offered me forgiveness while I was sinning. He offered forgiveness to his murderers while he was being murdered. Maybe 
think that's the Jesus that you need to fall in love with all over again. I don't know what the moment in the story is for you. But the message of the church is Jesus. It's the Jesus who touched people with communicable diseases, with leprosy. It's the the Jesus who spent time with both the religious elite and thieves and prostitutes. It's the Jesus who everywhere he went, he attracted a crowd. Not because he was trying to attract a crowd, but because people are attracted to someone who was radically loving. But he always rejected that crowd just to spend time with his father and with his disciples. And in the midst of all of the famous, wealthy, important, powerful people, he noticed the blind beggars who were crying out his name on the street. Is that the Jesus that speaks to you in this moment? The message of the church is Jesus. I tried to write notes and to figure out what to say this morning over and over again. Spent a whole lot of last week studying this. I really just felt like this morning we need to be reminded of how beautiful and good Jesus is. There's a story that I I heard in a devotional that I'm following along with um, of two missionaries from, I believe it was from the Netherlands. These missionaries, they went to the Caribbean islands during the, the slave trade. This was the first missionaries that had ever been sent from this church, from this region. And they went, and they actually tried to sell themselves into slavery so that they could share the gospel with the slaves so that there would be nothing standing in between them and the slaves. It wouldn't work. So they hired on for low-paying low paying menial labor jobs so that they could work in the fields alongside the slaves and still do the same work and have the same status. Beautiful, powerful story. But the part that floored me, because I believe it was on one of these missionaries' return trips, they had gone home to visit and to update their church, and they were going back to this place. I wish I could remember their names. The missionary looked back at the people who had gathered to say goodbye, and he said, may the lamb receive the reward of his suffering as he went to sell himself into slavery, to sacrifice his life for the goodness of Jesus. Why? Because he knew how beautiful Jesus is. Because he knew how loving Jesus is. Because the life death and resurrection of Jesus was so compelling to him that he would do, go, be anything so that his Jesus would receive the reward of his suffering. What's the reward of his suffering? All who are lost. Hebrews says that it was for the joy set before him that Christ endured the cross. And the joy set before him was reconciliation with his people. It was you. Jesus is the message of the church. Life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So as we prepare to take communion, rather than taking it together this morning, here's what I want to invite you to do. In just a minute, the band's going to come back up. They're just going to play quietly and give us some space. What I want to invite you to do is to take out your phone or your journal or whatever you, you might have to take notes with. If you don't have something, then, then just consider and just pray. But I want you to write down to make note of what is it about the life of Jesus? What is it about Jesus that's compelling to you in this moment? 
What is it about Jesus that's inspiring to you in this moment? Let's take a moment to remember in our hearts and in our souls the death and resurrection of Jesus before we remember him with our bodies as we participate in communion. Let's leave this morning in a few minutes having reimagined, reconsidered the beauty and glory of Jesus. Let us worship him because we are aware of how his life has changed ours. Let's not worship him because it's what we do. Let's worship him because of who he is this morning. Jesus, you are so good, you are so beautiful, you are so kind, you are so faithful. Jesus, your love knows no ends, no boundaries. Jesus, show us now, in this moment, the part of your story in your life that we need to hear, so that we will be compelled to share the message of your life, death, and resurrection with the world around us. Let us fall in love with your goodness and your glory. Amen. As you're journaling, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Maybe you're having a hard time remembering. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind. If you're here and you don't really know the stories of Jesus, I would love to pray with you, to talk to you. If you're here this morning and you don't, have not given your life to Jesus, here's what I want you to process. What would it be like? What would it mean for you if Jesus actually is who he says he is? If he actually is the Savior and the King who paid the price to reconcile you and invite you into the life you live now? Whenever you're ready, you can participate in communion. Whenever you feel like you are ready to remember the work of Jesus. Do that on your own. We're going to take a few moments in quiet to journal and process.